podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel. My name is Matthew and thank you for being here for another episode of Beyond the Lines. It's the show where we get an opposition supporters view when it comes to previewing Newcastle's next game. And this Friday at 8 o'clock, we're finally home, people. After four away games, we start three games on the bounce with Wolves on Friday at home, under the lights, Friday night. There'll be a lot of ills drank. And help me preview this one. I'm joined by a podcaster, a Wolves lover. He is a fan of the Wolves and Wolverhampton in general. It is Richard, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for the introduction. I mean, right. I want to... I want to say Friday game under Friday night lights. Everyone loves, like Newcastle, great ground. All the yeah. rest of it, apart from the stairs. Yeah, a lots Friday of night. A fr- it is a big trek for a Friday night game. Is the well, only is the only sticking point. You need to make I, a weekend of it, which is yeah. the only benefit. I know some fans are doing. Well, I think you know you've got that benefit, haven't you? You can you can start a weekend there, whereas we've been given Sunday trips and midweek yeah. trips to the capital from New Assels, so you'll get no sympathy from us. No, fans. no. Uh, you say when you look at it, you can very clearly see whoever organised the fixtures because it was supposed to like be a Saturday three o'clock. Yeah, job, yeah, wasn't it until about a month ago? And you very obviously this game hasn't been arranged for Friday night for someone who goes to watch football at it. No, no. I mean, to be honest, Friday night games are only good for me if we win or get a result, a positive result, because you can enjoy the rest of the weekend. Um, you know, let watch the rest of the football unfold. But and have a it, nice weekend. Yeah, but if it if it goes badly, <laughs> then it gets the weekend onto a wrong foot. The only good thing is you can get tanked up well before well, the match. We all so. I was gonna say our game before um, the Villa game. We we had Leeds on Friday night before the international break, uh-huh. and. It all kind of went downhill second half and whatever. Oh, yes. But then meant we had Saturday and Sunday were a write-off because everyone lost love of football. And then we had the <laughs> international break. So it's taken it was a good job we beat Villa because I don't know what state was we'd have been. Yeah, in yeah. It was it was a I mean, I, I watched that in the pub and God, that was that almost no, no, it didn't. I was about to say it put out the wheels falling off in our second half against Spurs to shame. It really didn't. It really no, didn't. But, uh, but at least you, at least we could empathize with each other, can't Yes, we? yes, sir. Maybe not in terms of where we are on the table, but in terms of our last results, maybe. Yeah. Not last results, obviously you beat Villa. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um we're here to talk about Newcastle versus Wolves. We're gonna talk about Wolves in general first, Richard. That's why we've got you on the podcast. Um, Wolves' season so far, recent form, three wins out of five, uh, sitting eighth, quite pretty in the league, three points off sixth, although Man United a sandwich between you and West Ham with a game in hand. What are your thoughts on this season so far? I feel like we've kind of gone a bit under the radar this season in terms of how well we've done to a degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's starting to look like last season was just a bit of a blip where, you know, yeah. we've had, we had two seventh place finishes. We Dipped last season for a few different reasons, but you know, this is a team we did. We didn't have lots of investment in the summer when Bruno's come in. We haven't mm-hmm. put in like you know lots of game changes. There's been a couple of tidy additions, but you know he's improved a lot of these players, and we, we've quietly got results when we've needed to, and we've beaten you know teams, particularly in the bottom half of the table. Mm-hmm. quite often, which used to be yeah. Wolves' kind of downfall, but, you know, we'd always lose to, like, Huddersfield. 
and yeah. it would infuriate us. But you know, we'd nick it, we'd get you know that win against Man City or Spurs or whatever, and you go, Oh, you'd rather, but those are the games where you need to win this season. Yeah. It feels like we've kind of gone it a bit more pragmatic in terms of who we've been playing. So, you know, the, the football's been good, uh, it kind of goes in peaks and troughs, but either we play really well and we don't score or we grind it out. Mm-hmm. We don't send... We, we've kind of had about four games, I'd say, tops where we've looked threatening, we've scored goals and it's been good, really fun to watch, which has been different. Um, so, overall, I can't have any complaints to Wolfsburg, to be honest. Like, you know, we, we are, you know, a couple of results to push in top six. Yeah, that's a great position to be in. I mean, you, you're right in terms of, yeah, I sort of agree with what you said about going under the radar a little bit. I mean, Wolves, in even in their, their better seasons, you know, previous under Nuno, mm. like as much as they were, they, were, they were doing really well, you sort of forget about them for a second and you check the Premier League table and you're like, oh, they're actually, they're still doing well. Yeah. And it was the same, it was the same with this season. I mean, just looking up for, for, for this podcast in general, I know you're coming off the back of a, a big win against uh, against Villa. Um, but you know, you lost a game, then you'll you'll win two and you'll lose one, and then but then you'll like you say you'll you maybe get like a string of results where you'll play three beatable teams and get seven or nine points. And it's because yeah. of that, it's got you in good stead. You're the best of the rest, it would seem. I mean, exactly. West Ham are up there as well. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 very much a good position to be in. You've just mentioned no additions, not say no additions, you brought in Huang yeah. and the likes of that, but we, we look at the manager really because Nuno's left. Nuno left to go to Spurs. Obviously, that didn't work out. And you've brought in Bruno Lage. I mean, was it the right time? One in Nuno leaving. Have you got? Was it, was it a good transition period because things went going so well yeah. with him? And but then he, Bruno's came in, and like you said, not with great you know reinforcement, and he's done very well. So have you seen a massive difference between him and the previous manager? Yeah, it feels like uh, I think the time was right for Nuno to go, and you could have probably argued that. He could have gone at the end of the season before and things like that. But you had a manager who, you know, ploughed us through the championship, got two seventh place finishes. You can't, you can't really yeah. get rid. He, he he had enough capital, enough, you know, 100%, stock, yeah. stock in the bank to see out last season. We were never going to get relegated. It was just, it was just a bit dire, which mm-hmm. I think any. You know, I do a, a lot, lots of sort of opposition fan podcasts, and we always say it. I think a lot of fans outside the top six can empathise that that theme that you know what we're going to finish fourteenth. Yeah, and it's it's difficult to kind of push forward sometimes. But Bruno's come in, and it's been, I think it's been a really good sign of how good a coach he is. That we're not playing in a formation and necessarily style he wants to play in. We're playing this because of the players he's got. He came in saying, I want to play with a back four, but we don't have the players. We don't have the personnel who'll be able to do it effectively. So I'm sticking with the formation almost from the old regime under Nuno and sticking with a back three for now because we don't either have the defenders or we don't have the midfielders. Yeah, we're paying. I don't know if that was my end or yours. Sorry about that. Um, sorry, sorry, mate. Go, just, just keep keep cracking on. Yeah. So you said you didn't have the players. You didn't have the players. Yeah, to we the didn't, back have, we didn't have the players. But one thing that the owners have done since they've joined, they've wanted to hire coaches who are coaches and want to improve players. And it's not just about investing in the squad. Don't, 
don't get me wrong, healthy investment in, you know, likes of Neves and Jimenez, but they're also coaches who improve players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, Connor Cody stepped up again this season when I didn't know if that was possible. I thought he'd hit his season as a player. Max yeah. Kilman has gone from being a fairly average player to pushing for an England call-up. And even someone like Ruben Neves, who was, you know, a quality player in the championship, good Premier League for the last couple of years. It's just elevated his game that bit more under the yeah, manager. He's been very good, and very good. you go, and that's testament to the manager and, you know, working sort of with, with what he's got. But saying that, you know, we, we change goalkeepers. Um, you know, Patricio leaves, we bring in Saar for less money and he's arguably a better goalkeeper. So all, all round, it, I say, things are kind of going, going well at the club at the moment under the manager. Yeah, I mean, we've, I mean, outside looking in, certainly seen. I know you improved, like you've just said, that Santos had, uh, um, sorry, Nuno had the, uh, the sort of stock to allow for one, you know, subpar season. But I mean, football fans have short memories. You know, you mm. came from the championship, you had two seasons finishing seventh, and all of a sudden things go maybe not as great, and people are asking why. But like you said, he had stock to sort of see that season out and I appreciate yeah. that. But, you know, you need to build on these things and, and it looks like you have. Um, I mean, in terms of the squad, it's still quite a familiar squad to the mm. one that came up a little bit. You're talking about players yeah. like, um, you know, Ruben Neves, uh, Jimenez. I mean, these are probably players that are, are doubts for the weekend. Is that not true? Doubts? Jimenez yeah, Neves? Jimenez is suspended for a second game and Neves out with an injury, which is, which is, tough because say he's been one of our most influential players um, did he play at the weekend never no he he got injured against Leeds so he's had had a couple of weeks out now so I think he's Mm -hmm. potentially due back end of the month um so it's most likely going to be a midfielder Martino and Dendonka um which worked well against Leeds Mm -hmm. um uh, yeah but you're right it's a familiar layout over you know there's not been huge amounts of change Consistent, um, like let's say Roman Sace mm-hmm. has sort of stayed around and still kind of clung on to a first team spot somehow. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like there's always like little additions rather than it being big sweeping changes. Um, the last sort of two years. So, who would, who would you say are your difference makers in the squad now, Richard? Um, in terms of ones who can kind of yeah, convert draws into wins. It's for, it's for likes of Daniel Podence, who is a almost the classic like number ten in terms mm-hmm. of what he can do for us and turn a game on his head. Jean Martino, at the age of I think thirty five, still can run a midfield and showed it against Aston Villa the way he could still open up a pitch if he needed mm-hmm. to and play a couple of different different roles. Um, we've we're not quite consistent in terms of some of our forward players who we can like rely on to get a goal. We, yeah. our, our, our goals are spread out throughout throughout the team, but you know, if Daniel Podence plays, it feels like we've got a chance of creating something, any opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, we, so sorry, mate. So, who, who, where does he play Podence on in that system? Yeah, so he primarily sort of plays on the left, cutting in. Right. Okay. Um, so, depending on like who's up front. Um, sometimes he almost plays as a second striker. Other times he's on the uh, he's on the left. Right. 
Okay, so who will be? I mean, Jimenez's slots open. Is is that young Fabio's so, job? Yeah, we uh, yeah. So Silva started against and did and did well despite not scoring against Villa. So I can see him starting again, mm-hmm. um, starting again Friday night with probably Podence. I say, not not quite alongside him, but mm-hmm. n- nearby. And then either he'll go with Wang, who you know scored a couple in the previous fixture, yeah, or he'll keep with Trincao, um, sort of a different different option as a bit more of a you know um more of a winger right well you've just mentioned funny enough the the previous um game 2-1 at Molyneux um that was a game that funnily enough ended a five match streak of one ones between our sides um I was just looking at the previous fixtures and I mean yeah. the sort of seemed all seemed to merge into one especially was, with the I'll... fact that Jamal Lassell scored at home in two previous fixtures for us so it was yeah, just I'll... I was having a look at the uh, the fixtures beforehand and like the head to heads, and I think like mm-hmm. it, it's something like in thirteen Premier League games, there's only been like about f- four wins each between us, yeah, yeah, and then the rest have been draws. And like, I had to like look back that there's been some like really even games over the past um, over the past couple of years. Yeah, both teams in the last seven, both teams have scored. Um, so would you see that following suit on Friday? I'm not saying the one-one necessarily, but. So you've been an opening an open game. Do you think do you see us causing new problems? Do you see you causing new asshole problems? Yeah, I think um I mean I'm I'm always so sort of optimistic that Wolves can get a goal at the moment. I don't we're not a high scoring team, but we're good at getting a goal if you mm-hmm. if you catch my drift. Interesting to sort of see how Newcastle approach it because they've been doing all right up until the last three games. Until the last three games. And, you know, some, sometimes there's no, you know, discredit losing to, you know, a, a top Chelsea and Tottenham. Box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you go, well, you take them out. Um, but, you know, Newcastle have definitely got some dangerous players and players who can kind of cause an issue. I'm interested to see if, um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name, but if Bruno starts. Um, <laughs> Gimaresh. Oh, yeah. Come on, Richard. The amount of Portuguese players in your I side, know. you don't know how to pronounce Gimaresh. He's Brazilian, amount... by the way. I know he's Brazilian, but I'm just <laughs> but... saying it's very similar <laughs> pronunciation. Like... Yeah, but I always get them wrong as well. Like even Neves. <laughs> even yeah. Neves is supposed to be pronounced Nevesh, and I Neves. still can't get my head round. Bruno Lage. Bruno Lage, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, even players like um, Chris Wood up top is, is someone who consistently scores against Wolves. Yeah. It is frustrating the amount of Fingers goals he has got against us. Um, <laughs> you know, whether he's, whether he's at the sort of a top quality level or not. But, you know, New, Newcastle have shown a bit about themselves since the turn of the year. And don't get me wrong, the addition of a few players has helped mm. and, and the new manager as well. But I don't think it's going to just be like a complete walk in the park. Um, yeah, I, which, and I hope not. You know, yeah, and the fact that like Newcastle have kind of got themselves out of any real relegation danger, I think at this point, unless I hope you are, you know, not, I'm a superstitious <laughs> guy. I hope you are not jinxing us there, Richard. No, well, I was going to say, I was gonna say well, we, we've got Everton and Burnley later, haven't we? Um, exactly. And yeah, you know, I think they've done enough to kind of give themselves like, a bit of breathing space, but. So you don't want to slip back and finish 17th. You want to finish as strong as possible under under this regime because you know there's Newcastle are going to sign more players yeah. in the summer, aren't they? So mm-hmm. you know a lot of those players will want to you know make sure they're staying around. So 
I, I'm interested to kind of see how Newcastle approach it, particularly after, you know, a he- pardon me, a heavier defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's probably still going to be kind of a low-scoring game. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. but I think I think it's going to be an inter- I think it's going to be an interesting watch. To be fair, we um, I mean, you've hinted on it there, and you know, Newcastle fans won't thank me for going into the form of the last three games, but it's been a strange one for me because. You know, we were absolutely flying. And I mean, I, mm. I'd be, I'm a very negative, pessimistic Newcastle supporter. A lot of people will tell you that. But when we beat Southampton away from home, from coming back from 1-0 down and Gimaresh scores and Wood scores, and I just said, we're flying. This is We're officially yeah. flying now. And um, then we go into the Chelsea game and we're robbed. We were absolutely robbed. We should have had a penalty. We should have had a, probably a red card for Chelsea as well. And, mm. and the person who should have been sent off goes and scores in the 88th minute. We didn't. We then approached the Everton game a bit negatively. We still played good in the first half, but again, that's dropped down because we played bad in the second to get beat again. And then Spurs comes, and we've we've sort of we're not hit rock bottom, but we just it sort of went on this downward trend. And it's for these next three games, you need to realise that this game against Wolves is huge for Newcastle because it starts a run of Wolves, Palace, and Leicester, three very good teams sitting eight, ninth, and tenth. Um, but we will still be seeing it as opportunities to get points on the board. Yeah. And within the situation we're in, like you've just said, we've got breathing space. That's very important. There's a nine-point gap there, and all that matters is we're better than three teams at the bottom just to go into next season with a bit of confidence and just start again. But the the the, the fact is we need about four or five more points. And then after this, we've got Norwich. And these next four games are just huge for Newcastle. I mean, I'd take yeah. you know, a, probably you know, a win and two draws, and I think that would see us safe. But um, we'll have to wait and see. And... I think we'll approach the game maybe a bit differently to what we have the last couple because we're at home and um, mm. I, we we got that place rocking since the new players came in. The new players have done fantastic. I won't uh, uh, walk over well-trodden ground on, on this podcast because we've spoke a lot about those players. But, you know, there'll be some decent battles. You know, Dan Byrne at the back up against Fabio. I mean, Fabio's not much of a, a guy who wins stuff in the air, is he? He's more of a get-it-on-the-deck type of player. Yeah, he, like, he likes balls to feet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, still, he's still young, and it's it's kind of interesting to sort of see how he does against different defenders. To be honest, because sometimes yeah, he, types of defenders, aren't yeah, because like he gave time and rings for run around mm-hmm. on Saturday, but sometimes you never quite know whether that's against the personnel or just if he's playing the occasion. Because he, he mm-hmm. looked he looked up for it on the derby game. He, he definitely had a red ball beforehand, and you know it, it's going to be a different test for him. And you know, you know, he's up against two centre halves. So it's going to be, I'm assuming, it's going to be Shaw and Burn at the back. Yeah. Or even if Lachelle comes in, mm-hmm. you know, that they're canny Premier League operators. Mm-hmm. And they say it's, it's going to be a question if we're up for it. You know, the midfield battle is going to be an interesting one as well with John Joe Shelby in there. Um, you know, there's a couple of really interesting ones across the pitch. Missing um, a certain Mister Joe Linton there, Richard. Well, yeah, because the striker, cut, the, the mid, striker, cut midfielder. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, I think, because we've got Den Donker, who is a defender slash midfielder, and almost like the opposite side of Joel Linton. The fact that sometimes when he plays in defence, he plays like a midfielder playing at the back, and when he's mm-hmm. in midfield, he plays like a defender playing in midfield. Uh-huh. And you know, so I think having him matched up, you know almost an offensive counterpart in terms of someone who's a, a striker, but mm-hmm. kind of find his feet. He's flourishing as a centre midfielder, which I don't think any of us saw come in yeah. <laughs> six months ago. Yeah, definitely not. 
Um, you know, so yeah, I think, and you know, I think one of the things that both kind of teams pride themselves on is having those wingers and a couple of exciting players who can open a game up as well. And yeah, we'll, you know, we'll see got, what happens. Yeah. Which, I mean, just I mean, do you do you miss? I mean, we, we've got Alan St. Maximin who hasn't granted been great, he's been injured, came off the bench to make some very unforgettable. Uh, sorry, forgettable cameos um, and started against Spurs. But then again, all the pretty much the full 11 didn't cover themselves in glory on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but we've got the like, we could maybe bring him off the bench or if he starts. Do you miss that dynamism that Adama Triori brought? That's an interesting question because I think that both of them kind of have a lot of similarities. In Just the fact game. that, could, yeah, you see them do and, some things one day and you think, wow, what, I've never seen that happen before. And then it could end up in a terrible cross or shot. It could end up in an absolutely amazing goal. You just don't know. And then some days they just don't look interested. I mean, as much as they're very both powerful dribblers, they both have the different assets because obviously Triore was just pure power. But mm. people would always, would always call for him to come off the bench. Like every second secondary commentator would go, maybe it's time for Adama Triore. Maybe it's time to start yeah. Adama Triore. So do, do you sort of miss that, like sort of wild card, having it was an, op- an option off the bench? A little bit, because I think almost like the idea of Adama Triore is worse than Adama Triore himself. <laughs> it, do, do you know what I mean? Like that damn damn burn. Like we got a booking every time we played him, yeah. Because it would come to the fifty fifth minute, and he'd whiz past him, he'd chop him down on the halfway line, yeah. And you know you'd have teams again. Same with ASM. They rotate fouls, and they don't necessarily get enough players booked because of it. And mm-hmm. Adama seemed to get. He'd lose confidence when that happened rather than gain it because yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're fouling you for a reason. It's because mm-hmm. you're better than them. So get, get them to do it again, I Yeah, just keep doing it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day with Adama, he, yes, the dribbling's great. And, you know, I, I, you could look at his expected assists and, you know, everything like that. But at the end of the day, the output from somebody in his position isn't and wasn't high enough and the system was being created for him to get chances now that's not necessarily how it should be but if the ball's falling to him in prominent places he needs to be finishing it and he needs to be burying it and you know the fact that well his contract's up at the end of next season as well the club needed to make a decision and yeah to be honest, I'm not quite sure they've made a right one in this low move at the moment, which is a whole other saga. But in terms of him being that wild card off the bench, yes, to a degree, we've got a we we got a young lad from Portugal uh, called Chiquinho in the sum uh, in January, who's kind of been that option in terms of someone who is very much a direct winger. He's very pass- fast, very powerful, and has got a trick up his sleeve, and that seems to kind of be a little bit of a, you know, not quite a stopgap, but it does mm. give us that, you know, not a lot of teams have known much about him. He's not at a point where he's able to start games because he doesn't have the, I guess, the game temperament to be able to do it, but to bring him on and sort of see, actually, you know, we can take him with a bit of pace because I like Trincao. He's quite a tricky winger and, you know, he's found himself on the score sheet now a couple of times and is now providing that end product after six, you know, eight months in the league. But having someone like Adam where, you know, you can see defenders physically get scared of him and not yeah. quite know what to do. But if, you know, I remember seeing something online before where it was like, Adam Traore is running at you. What do you do? 
the comment is just let him run past you and the ball go out for a goal kick. Lay on and the again, floor in a ball. That's yeah. what I would do. Depends what yeah. he's running at me with. If he's running at me with a football or if he's just running at me to, to run I at me. You, uh, <laughs> jump out the way. <laughs> yeah, just jump out the way. Just get clear. Yeah, Adama Traore, he's very much in the past for Wolves. Let's just concentrate on the future. And the last question would be this Friday, 8 o'clock, Friday Night Lights. What's your score prediction, Richard? Um, I need to be consistent, don't I? Because uh, we're doing our, my show in a bit. So I need to, I'm going to go... I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. Wow. That's yeah. an interesting one, Which, considering the five you know, of the last consi- six games were 1-1. One, I thought, let, let's keep it consistent. But no, I think Newcastle have still uh, got a bit about them. Have, they've definitely got something to improve from the weekend. Mm-hmm. We're missing Neves. Um, and we're missing Jimenez as well. Don't get me wrong, did great against Villa. Can we do it two games on the trot? Not a hundred percent. So I, I think one one's probably a fair, fair gauge at the moment for me. I won't even elaborate on that because I will take your hand off right now for a one <laughs> one. I just hope it's not a one nil up in the last minute equaliser. But here's Matty being pessimistic again. But I will take a one one. I will take you that if we don't finish one one on the weekend or if we lose, I will be blaming you. Um, but yes, thank you very much, Richard, for for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, you will see me on Richard's podcast, which is uh, Wolves Fancast. Was fancast. Um, but for everyone who's watched, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Please like the video. Please share the video wherever you're finding this video and comment below. Tell me what you think and tell me what your predictions are going to be this Friday for this Friday. And as always, if you haven't already, what are you doing? Please subscribe to the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel. Sports Social Podcast Network.